Our This Week in XR podcast is sponsored by our friends at Sapper, the world's leading augmented reality platform and creative studio. With over 11 years of experience working with the world's biggest brands through Zapper Creative Studio. Zapper also has an award-winning web AR platform, Zapworks, that lets you create your own mobile AR magic. Finally, check out their Zap Box, the most affordable mixed reality headset on the planet. Start creating AR over at zap.works or talk to them about your next AR project at zapper.com. Good morning, everybody. I'm Charlie Fink with Ted Shilowitz and Roni Abovitz for This Week in XR. It is April 14th, 2023. Uh, we're doing this podcast under somewhat unusual circumstances. Uh, Ted uh, is in the hospital and I has am. been all week with a respiratory ailment that he picked up uh, while traveling on the East Coast. So uh, first of all, Ted, how are you feeling? I'm, I'm, well, I'm way better than I was four days ago. And, you know, as Charlie, you and I were talking and texting late last night about it to like, should we do the podcast? Should we not do the podcast? Should we even talk about it? But really, this podcast has become kind of a weekly therapy session for all of us and our listeners. So it's kind of like, I mean, this is you know episode what? 144. Uh, last week, I soloed for five minutes and I felt like I was totally exposed. <laughs> I just said, there's no reason to to like hide this or not admit what's going on because my voice will be short and it'll be challenging. But let's put it this way. I am way better than I was a couple of days ago and I was in full respiratory distress, had to be brought into the ER. It was a whole situation. Luckily, I've got great friends and family around me, you know, and, and the care at UCLA is unparalleled. So I'm four days into it now and improving greatly. I would not be able to do this much, string this many words together just a day or two ago. I'd be done already. Uh, but, you know, with really, really good care and watch out and constant poking and prodding and echocardiograms and x-rays and blood gas draws and you're just a human pincushion. But you know, if, if you, if you got to go through something like this, which a lot of people in various ways, this is not, this is not COVID as, as Charlie mentioned, this is this sort of potentially new thing, this new respiratory problem that is. So it's, it's not RSV. It's another respiratory. It, disease they don't even know about. yet. They're in my case, they're still culturing and trying to learn what variant of this problem it is. Um, so I had to give them cultures every day anyway, but I'm sure we have plenty. Wait, of wait, 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 wait. You're saying there could be a new pandemic starting up? Yeah, and maybe I'm maybe I'm patient. Holy zero. shit! Who knows? No, I'm going to NAB so. next they're week. Just, maybe I shouldn't do that. Yeah, they're they're well, and I'm my my entire NAB obviously is completely suspect right now. I certainly had to cancel the weekend affairs, and there's still an outside possibility to say you're you're fine to go on Monday, but we'll we'll see how it goes. So, so you think thinking masking masking up at NAB? Uh, you know, the, the thing is, who knows if it's like this particular infection, what I understand is a lot of it, you pick it up from like surface contact. So a lot of the trick is just wash your hands all the time. Um, and, you know, when you're touching and, and in public places, going in and out of airports, going in and out of public spaces, it's not so much. I mean, and obviously, if someone's actively coughing near you, get the fuck away, right? But um, a lot of it is is surface contact stuff. Anyway, but who knows? You just, hey, you Ted, we're, we're just glad you are you are on the on the upswing in the men that that's i appreciate it yes and a lot of people all over the world have been reaching out and saying good wishes so all good no 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 drama I, i'm so, very much a glass half full person so roni a couple months ago we saw a video showing how audi was using uh 
AR, and in this case, the Magic Leap 2, uh, in their uh, UX uh, design of, of cockpits and, and new cars. So we've got the head of design uh, from Audi, um, Sid Odedra, who's going to be with us as our guest in about eight minutes. Um, so I, I'm excited to hear more about that. I think the uh, auto industry has been very, very uh, quick to embrace this technology, and, and they use it in all sorts of amazing ways. No, that's that's super cool, um, Charlie. We Charlie and Ted, we um, did look at a lot of like cockpit design, uh, uh, even with the with even before ML one and between ML one and ML two, and as we're building the ML two, like what would the inside of an airplane or a spaceship or a car look like? And we spoke to a bunch of, of players, uh, including those guys. So it's interesting to see uh, that they've taken it into a concept car, made it public. Um, and you know, really excited to speak to the the designer here to see, um, you know, what 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 switched them on, and and there, there's still so much amazing potential. And this was one of those teams and designers that I saw starting to run with it. And I'm so glad you got them on the show today. So in the news, sorry, go ahead, Ted. No, so it's going to be cool. And by the way, happy Passover, Roni, and to all our friends celebrating Easter this week. Happy Easter. There's you know lots of activity going on this week. Yeah, it was it was those, uh, Easter, Passover, and Ramadan all at the same all at the same time. Yeah, that that probably probably explains why it was such a ridiculously slow news week. <laughs> there you go. Uh, there were no big financing announcements in XR or AI. Um, so I, I took the, took the moment, and here's what I wanted to ask you guys about before we bring on Sid. So I took the moment to do a top ten list for VR. Mm. Uh, so this not not AR, that separate list. Um, and of course, there's mixed reality with a little of both. But again, separate list. I tried to be doctrinaire. And these are mostly experiences that are available on uh, Quest and Steam. Mm -hmm. So some are not available, right? The the Fat Boy Slim thing I've been raving about for the past two weeks is not. That was a one-time promotional event. Uh, but uh, the, everything else I'm talking about is in the Quest store. So not, in not necessarily um, order... Uh, he, here are my top ones. I don't know if there's exactly 10. Some of them aren't available. I won't talk about those too much. So Dr. Crumb's School for Disobedient Pets, the number one experience, mm -hmm. uh, and I will tell you why. It combines uh, games with live performance, and um, it is a group experience. So you and your friends are cast as like these Hanna-Barbera characters. There's this evil scientist who is masquerading as a a pet sitter and he's recruiting you to be his proteges and and it's it's great i mean the actor plays multiple roles there's all sorts of you know events that they stage manage while the experience is going on uh, i've done it like five times i take my class in there every semester and and it is always great so unfortunately it's not a business because you've got to have one live actor for every seven paying patrons and that's just never going to scale yeah, Charlie, I was curious if it was, I did it a couple of times and loved it. And our friend Max, who was a Pixar guy, and then at Oculus was the creative guy behind it. Um, and it was super clever and interesting. It was basically like you got cast in a play in VR yeah. and you had to yeah. participate in it. Um, but it was, and we were looking at it, you know, from a development standpoint, but it was just too hard to find a way it's, to scale it and make it. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a business. I mean, like most theater it's right. <clears throat> it's an experience, but it's very ephemeral. Right, but it was lovely and, it's and great. very funny. And yeah, 
So again, I'm not judging these things by their business. This is just what I experienced and went, wow. Right. So uh, number two, uh, Where Thoughts Go by Lucas Risotto. Mm. Uh, yeah. In my opinion, the most substantial, I know others will disagree and they should, uh, but I think it's the most substantial work of art in VR. And there are a lot of really compelling things, but I think he nailed it. And 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 I'll tell you, there's a theme running through these for me, which is structured social interaction. So not like dumping a bunch of people into VR chat and hope they'll meet in a furry room. You know, this is actually people coming together saying, I want to socialize, I want to be with other people, but I want to have this uh, experience moderated so that it, it makes sense and has con context. Yeah. Uh, the next one is Tilt Brush. I mean, you know, if if everybody who goes into VR and sees Tilt Brush goes, oh, wow, and they get it on a whole different level because you're standing inside of a drawing. All right, Mo moving right along, Google Earth. Uh, still don't hear a lot about this, but the sensation of striding across the continent is really, again, an oh, well moment you can't have in any other medium in any other way. I, I agree, and I think <clears throat> Google Earth, I would tick as the VR experience I, I put, excuse me, more people in and made more people cry because of this phenomenon. Charlie, Rody, I'm, I'm curious if you've had the similar phenomenon. You put people in Google Earth in VR, and the first thing you do is show them some major cities, like, okay, let's go to New York, let's go to Paris, let's go to Dubai, and what is the next thing that everybody asks where they grew up when, right can you take me to my childhood home yep sure would you know your address some do some don't some will call their parents hey mom <laughs> what was our address growing up you put it in it flies you there it builds the environment they see their house from the top flying in and they're like oh my gosh look they redid the roof they added a pool they put in a second story and then here come the waterworks and it is like <laughs> the most adorable thing yeah, no, I did. Over the first over thing over I did was every place I ever get in my life. Yeah, it's great. And it, everybody has the same thing. It's completely universal. Yeah. So, so the next one, little lesser known, but not, uh, but also sort of seminal, I think, Richie's Plank Experience. Mm -hmm. Sure. So this is the pro version of what Jeremy Balenson rigged up in the Stanford lab 10 years ago. Right. The doors open, you're on the edge of a roof, and there's a plank extending out, you know, 50 stories above the ground. And yeah. and in, and it actually allows you to put a real plank in, and using uh, the pass-through cameras, it can anchor the experience to your real plank, just to add an extra level of terror. And uh, and I always make the students walk the plank. Half of them won't do it. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's still to this day. I remember in the early days of like the heyday of the Oculus demo wheels, they would always have one or two scenes where you'd be overlooking a a city and looking out over kind of a little sort of structure to get that sense of height and, and the scare factor. And that was always a big emotional moment. The first time you put somebody in VR was that feeling that presence of, oh my gosh, I could fall. Um, so that was yeah, the, the, Ricky, the Richie's Clank experiences, definitely in that zone of success. The next one is The Changing Same by Scatter, directed by Yasmin Elliott, um, who, who is a fan fantastic director. Uh, this one, Tribeca in 2021, uh, it is available on the Quest. It's a the it's a very unusual 360 video made using volumetric capture and, and a bunch yeah. of other artistic techniques. Have you seen this, Ted? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. Uh, All the, I mean, the you want to talk about VR as an empathy machine. Mm-hmm. I mean, they put you in the back of a police car and, you know, I got to experience 400 years of racial injustice. Yeah. And uh, and it is, you know, the and, and you start to feel, and I think the point of the... Uh, of the film is that the system is bigger than all of us. Right. You know, so it's kind of a scary thought, especially if you are, um, you know, racially determined to be a victim of that system. Yeah. Uh, the next one, the Battle Scar. This is the one mm. that has Rodari- Rosario Dawson as a, as a runaway teen in New York in the 70s. Uh, the directing techniques and the music and the art direction of this are so superb. I mean, this is one of these VR films that that is a whole genre, right? That Penrose makes them. Also, Eugene Chung has Alumet and uh, Arden's Wake, which are unfortunately Steam only, uh, but are also superb VR films. So that's that's a genre. And there aren't a zillion titles in that genre, but it's one of the bigger ones for non-games. So those of yeah. you listening to this are probably pounding the table because I haven't mentioned any games. And there's a very simple reason for that is that I'm not a gamer. So Mm -hmm. it would be neither fair to my readers nor to the people making games for somebody who doesn't play games to judge them. That would be like having somebody who doesn't watch movies uh, engaged to be a movie critic. So uh, I I realize that most people are playing games. uh, And so to them, that list is not particularly relevant. But what did I leave off, guys? Come on, there must be something great that is really obvious and I just flat out missed it. It's it's interesting that you mentioned um, your perspective on this through the lens of art and storytelling, which Charlie, you and I go to go a lot of festivals. We go to Sundance every year. We go to um, Tribeca. We go to, you know, a number of different VR festivals. Um, So we've seen a lot of this stuff and we're very much appreciative of it. Um, It's it's also interesting that this list that you made, uh, as you know, for AWE, my attempted presentation this year and we're working on it shooting the mixed reality captures of now is looking at what i think are the most influential and important game style experiences uh to look at as things that have moved the medium forward so i'm going to be covering things that have been iconic to me like robo recall and roni's amazing work with the team out of weta uh the dr gorbach yeah, and um and um uh so like the, the Batman Arkham thing has these amazing moments mm. and a, a game called Wilson's Heart from years ago that was had some major mm. stars in it. it was all black and white. It was it was a multi hour story driven thing in the early days of VR, you know, pre pre meta yeah. way, you know, pre, yep. and um, and uh, so I'll be sort of focusing on that. Uh, but it's interesting when you mentioned the um, the stuff like Battlescar. I remember seeing that at a Sundance and I was thinking, you know, we're getting to that level of almost tim burton or pixar style animation creationism in virtuality and i think maybe the one that you didn't mention is maureen and eric and their work at baobab um, well you know if i I was thinking about them uh and i think their best work has actually not really been seen by the public they did that thing at tribeca in 2019 called jack they worked with the director matthias celleborg uh, who did the Doctor Who experience and, and other VR. And he's known actually as a TV director. Yeah. TV commercial director. Brilliant, brilliant guy. And they did this thing. Roni, you would have gone crazy for this. Um, you're in Jack and the Beanstalk. And like Invader Immortal, you are Jack. You are the hero. And it's got live actors in it. 
Uh, one actor plays the guy who trades for the seeds and also plays the mother. And, and you are all like cartoon birds. So mom's a cartoon bird. You're a cartoon bird. And that's just the world. Yeah, it was super clever. Yeah, it was it's so genius. brilliant. It was yeah. it was five minutes long. It it takes you up to the giant's house. That's kind of where it ends. Uh, but it was one of the best five minutes in VR I've ever had. Yeah, there. I mean, we this this is quite a rabbit hole. We could yeah. go down. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, it, Sid is in Sid is in the um, in the green room. So let's okay. let's bring him in. Sounds good. Sounds good. Sid Odedra from Audi. I love this. It's like having celebrities. I love this. You throw Roni and Ted's name around, you can get great people on this show. If you guys could see how many wires, so lazy. You guys can see how many wires and tubes and things I'm connected to while doing this today. It's kind of insane. <laughs> Sid, hi, welcome. Hi guys, how you doing? Great hey, to meet you. I don't know, if, I, I gather you have not had the pleasure, but I have Roni Abovitz here with me. He's the uh, founder of Magic Leap and Mako Robotics. Uh, Ted is not pictured. Um, he is the futurist for Paramount Global. Uh, and he got uh, RSV or some kind of horrible respiratory disease and has, has spent the past few days in the ER. And he actually is calling in like a trooper uh, wow. from, from his new recovery room. Yeah, uh, I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> now we're we're thrilled to have you, and I will do my best to keep my voice temper in line. So fire away, Charlie. Well, I'd, for, first of all, for uh, the people who have not seen the Audi video that got us so excited because you were using the Magic Leap too, and people who are not following uh, design, can you tell us a little bit? First of all, generally about who you are and what you do, and then how. Oh. Audi specifically is using XR technologies. Yeah, sure. So um, my name's Sid Adedra. I'm head of UI UX design at Audi. Um, and what we've been doing over the last, let's say, a few years um, is to put out a number of uh, what we call concept cars, and we call them these spheres. And it's actually our, our showcase and our, they're almost studies of what a future experience looks like, especially when we talk about technologies such as autonomy, for the you know automated uh, driving for the uh, automotive industry, but also looking at things like extended reality and um, you know what new technologies we can bring in to make the user experience better and actually what will that look like in five to ten years? Um, and so the latest sphere, which was the active sphere, we're looking at it was um, it, it's a concept looking at um, a vehicle an experience that can take you from on to off road. Um, and key to that was not to overload people with technology and information. And um, we kind of also have seen the, you know, you can call it a trend, but the technology development of uh, extended, augmented, mixed reality, whatever anyone's calling it nowadays. Um, uh, uh, and the value of actually that can allow us to, you know, give, give people maximum experience with minimal borders. Should we say so? That's kind of how we landed at that uh, that technology as a selection for that showcase. Um, and yeah, everything that's been out there uh, uh, for the Actisphere, uh, which we're calling Audi Dimensions. So it's about taking you to a new dimension, if you like, and using new dimensions in our uh, products. And it's kind of the start of a conversation. Obviously, uh, you know, there's not so much I could talk about what we're working on, but uh, let's say it's a glimpse. <laughs> 
So um, <clears throat> in general, the auto industry seems to have embraced immersive technologies, uh, certainly from, from a design standpoint. I don't know where else the industry is using that technology, but it seems like gone are the days of the you know one ton clay models that took months to create, and it's been supplanted by you know digital creation technologies that you know can even let you sit in the car before it's even built. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, the 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 auto industry is really embracing new technologies, and and actually, you know, it's called let's say digitalization of the industry and let's say the legacy automakers are calling it that because they are having to adjust. You know, um, they come from a world where things were analog, not just for the, the vehicle and the product, but you're right, completely in the in the process of designing and building a car was very hands-on, very clay modeling. I mean, we still do that uh, traditionally because there's nothing like, you know, seeing the physical model uh, and being able to judge it. But the iteration loops can be a lot quicker and, and VR was the first step in, in, into that, right? Obviously fully being able to sit in the in, in the cabin in front of a, a product and really seeing uh, what that could look like before spending time and money building that. Um, and now with the new, you know, I don't need to tell you guys, but you know, with the, the, the wider thing of extended reality where we can get into mix and augmented reality, things start getting interesting because we can now mix the two worlds. You know, we can have seating bucks with just the, you know, the, the, the boundary layers and actually bring all the information on with uh, augmented or virtual elements. I'm, kind I'm, of curious, I'm, I'm curious how you work the balance and, and how your job sort of works within the management of the automotive industry for a very large established uh, car company in terms of the, the levels of and protocols of how they need to go through build cycles, safety cycles, test cycles, and why things tend to always kind of get dulled down at the final equation. Um, you, you, somehow the, the spirit of really true innovation and risk-taking um, never seems to really get to the end game that quickly because of concerns, safety restrictions, adoption levels. Um, how do you as, a, as an artist in, in working in a technology field balance that and work with your coworkers on pushing the envelope while still understanding that at the end of the day, a lot of your work will be sort of dulled down by the system a little bit. I'm curious how, yeah, that, how, you, how that affects great, you. No, great question. It's it's literally daily challenge, right? It is especially for, I mean, for me, I didn't always come from the auto industry. I came from outside. So I, I am kind of, let's say, known as the disruptor internally because mm. it is about bringing new ways of doing things to get there quicker. And, um, you know, one of the things you touched on, the, automate, uh, the automotive industry uh, firstly, you know, we have to look so far ahead because it's three to five years. Anything we're working on now takes that long for the process of developing, design, developing, building, testing, and getting it to the, on the road. And so when you talk about technology, that's, that's eons, you know, like the, imagine how many different loops of technology there is, there is between now and then. So anything we're doing now, we have to think that far ahead. Um, but secondly to that, you're right, there is so much red tape. Um, and, and some of it rightfully so in the sense of, of course, big moving metal boxes at speeds and uh, we, we don't want anyone to get, uh, get harmed or, uh, you know, to harm others um, in, in, in any technologies or any solutions we put in there. But there is a, a, a you know, speaking honestly, there is a layer of um, legacy red tape that because a lot of the, the restrictions were there from older times where technology was very different. Um, a lot of things need updating. And, um, and I mean, 
from, from what our approach, that's kind of also a part of the reasons we do these showcases in our, our concept cards is um, it's it, it, it works twofold. One, to, you know, show the world we are, we're, we're up to date and we are thinking ahead, um, but also really as a, uh, as a test bed of what, if we didn't have the red tape, obviously it's not real product, um, but what can we do to really enhance the experience? What is the value here? Um, and that helps also to say, okay, actually, this is something we should really, really go for. So, so it's great to meet you. Uh, a question. Um, we, we did a lot of work um, trying to imagine um, like cockpits of cars, airplanes, even spaceships, uh, because in theory, you don't need all this other stuff mm -hmm. to display things than how you'd reinvent that. I was super excited to see when you came out with that with Audi. Um, what what do you need from the XR systems in order for this thing to happen uh, beyond concept car? Like, like for you to say, all right, I love the concept idea, but now if this and this happen, now we can actually go commercial with it. Like what's, what's missing? Is it size, power? Is it, is it computer vision? Like what are the things that you, you found exciting, but what are the things that you feel like, okay, they're almost there, they need more push and what, what wasn't there at all and needs like real improvement? Yeah, sure. Um, I'll start. I'll start answering that uh, question with um, a little bit about the use cases. So, I mean, firstly, great product, Magic Leap Two. We 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 fell in love with it, and kind of really the the performance of of that for me was the the best of what's out there right now. That's why we we selected that as a demonstrator. Um, and we have let's say a range of use cases. One is you know the uh, helping the driver drive. Um, and, and these are the really, let's say, safety relevant, they have to be bulletproof. These are, these are the ones that are going to take a long time where something like XI will come in and re replace ultimately. Um, then the other end of the scale is because a lot of the, the, the concepts we're talking about is a future where automated driving becomes commonplace and people aren't driving as often um, or in certain use cases. And that's where it starts getting interesting because then, you know, the safety layer of this technology isn't using, I'm not using this technology to operate the vehicle anymore. I'm doing it to get by my day, whether that's entertainment, whether it's, you know, sending an email, whatever it may be. And then, then it doesn't need the performance metrics or, and safety layers that we, we, we would need for driving. Um, but then we get into the, you know, and again, you guys know this well, I'm sure where motion sickness is a big issue with you're in a moving car and if you're looking at static content and you're completely decoupled from anything moving uh you're going to have people feeling very sick uh, in that sense um and then the device itself and we had a lot of this feedback from the the, the actosphere um it's people like oh you expect us to be wearing these glasses while we drive um and you know the answer was always you know this is a glimpse into the future these are the technology is going to get shrunk down for example um, and it's not going to be expected that you can't operate the vehicle without it. We've got to see it as it's an enhancing layer that you can bring into the vehicle. And that kind of, let's say, marries up with what's happening in the industry where uh, there's a whole, whole uh, you know, area where we're talking about bringing your own device. You know, right now, um, everyone wants to bring their device and their apps into the, into the car, right? And um, what we're saying is ultimately the glasses are just the device of the future. It's going to move out your pocket onto your face eventually. Uh, if not for everything, then at least for, you know, certain, uh, certain layers of uh, information first, we want to be ready for that future. Um, where ultimately we're saying we have 
we have the arena and we have the use case, you could bring your devices in there and it will enhance your experience. Um, and that and, and that just to touch on last thing is that's one of the values we also have is we have people in a fixed position in in within the cabin. Um, and so you know it, when you start thinking about the technology and the sensors and the tracking and the the, the packaging and power and cooling, all of these things, there's an, there's let's say some solutions that um, we don't need fully because it's not about everyone using it about you know going about there every day. It's while they're in a fixed position doing a fixed thing. So Sid, you're implying that like you know as this stuff morphs into let's say the, the passenger experience instead of the driver, like whether the driver is uh, an AI or the driver is a real person. Um, the passenger experience in terms of media is is maybe the lower lying fruit versus like enhancing the driver's ability, which is more mission critical. Although I, I do think you can get to both places. Um, that that's really interesting. Did you ever play with? Um, I'll just throw this out there: uh, erasing the entire vehicle uh, because if you if you digitally twin uh, the vehicle, you know where it is, and in theory, um, if you have cameras on the outside, you can make it go invisible. Uh, kind mm -hmm. of like they did on the F-35. And I, I always thought that was, we did some experiments with that, but if, it's something you should play with if you can, because it then makes your cabin experience, you feel expansive, like you're in a transparent car and the entire world around you is a gigantic uh, visualization display. That, it's, it's, it's interesting you said that because now, now getting into the details of, um, of our approach, and I can only talk about our approaches, um, when we when we were um, let's say working on this and, and and we knew the timing of launching this, um, I was quite let's say I'm quite allergic to using the um, the metaverse word. I don't like to kind of uh, talk about you know we want to decouple people from the real world and put them into this this separate world, right? Maybe there is a use case. Call it the spatial internet. That's it. <laughs> exactly. And 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 for us that that was the point is is that extra digital layer we want to bring onto the world. To enhance your experience and one under the scale there is the driving experience and i don't know you, you might see in some of the videos where we really talk about it's not just about the media and you know going into this other universe that doesn't exist or you might want to be in it's how can we bring a better experience to what you want to do already um, and that's what technology ultimately should do it should support us right in what we want to do and being Audi and being a car company, driving experiences is a key part of that. And one of the use cases is as soon as your hands, you know, we can track everything in there to say, your hands go on the steering wheel, the interface shifts. It goes from spatial to driver focused and information can then move where it needs to. Um, and the other end of that scale to what you touched on, um, we almost called it a, 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 a density slider, is, is a, a slide of a density of information from vehicle specific to um, you know, just being decoupled. So you can almost like, you know, do exactly what you're saying. The vehicle can disappear. You don't need the, the, the you know, we call it a boundless interface. We're not fixed to one location anymore. So I had an, I had my last car was, was an Audi. Uh, and um, I, it was the uh, Q6 SUV. It was a lovely car. It was a great car. And it had a heads up display on the dashboard. Right, it looked like there were, were mirrors, I guess, reflecting mm -hmm. uh, some digital information up on the directions and, uh, you know, your speed and uh, useful stuff to keep you 
you know, and it's heads up display. So, I mean, how cool is that? You don't have to time shift down to the instruments. So first of all, I assume more and more things are going to end up in that view. Is that a reasonable assumption? Yeah, I mean, uh, already something public, so we can talk about it, the, the latest Q4 e-tron, we have an AR head up already. So actually, I mean, it, it, it's the beginning of, you know, starting to um, have this technology. In, so it's a projector, not a mirror. Uh, so it's a mirror, but in terms of we use the cameras to kind of actually augment where, what the information. So it's not just persistent information of speed or next turn. We can actually we put markers on the road to show the lane. We put uh, the marker follows the car in front to show you the distance. Um, and it, it kind of pairs with, let's say, the, the, the ADAS system. So you can kind of really adjust uh, the distance you have. So let's say it's starting to trickle down into, into the, the system where, I mean, some of these are safety critical, but they have redundancies also. Um, and yeah, the head, I mean, the head up display is a great uh, uh, example of being able to decouple information from, you know, a fixed cluster or um, where we're very, very limited because you have, you know, steering wheel shadows and uh, light reflections and everything. Um, but the, 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 the problem with that is you get a field of view, a very narrow field of view with such a big package, you know, the, the, the AR package is, is big and it's always in a location where, you know, you have airbags and you have the, the steering wheel column and all, all of these things, you know, it becomes a balance of uh, constraints. Um, whereas that was, you know, also the value of if it's on your face <laughs> and you don't have to package things into the cabin, then it starts opening up the opportunities. And the second thing is also the problem with the head, the head up display, the problem, the challenge, is it's a single user experience, right? Uh, because of the the the, the perspective right, of, of the driver can see it. Yeah. You know, the passenger can also join that experience when um, if if needed. So that was the other value of we're talking. Uh, we didn't go too much into detail in the show car, but you know, if everyone you know, the passenger and the driver had a pair of glasses on each, they can decide whether they want separate experiences or the, or, or uh, combined experiences um, and see the same information. That that gets interesting. The multi-user experience, right? Did one one thing that you brought up earlier was safety, and it's interesting. Um, one, I'll just share an early early experiment we did with you. But because you could track uh, someone's perception and awareness, whether it's the driver or the passengers, let's just talk for the driver a second. Maybe there's something you could play with. I always thought it fascinating that I could see where the driver was looking. Mm -hmm. Are they looking at the road? Are they looking at the object on the road? Um, and if you had sensors on the car that, let's say, was looking at a deer uh, about to run through and the passenger was looking out the window and the driver is looking at their watch, the combination of knowing what the driver was looking at, the car seeing something independently, all of that, you could like actually make for a much safer experience. Definitely. Because I think the driver's attention is something you have, you have the ability to grab in a way that I don't think has ever been able to be grabbed before. You also can grab... Um, a sense of like, are you, you know, when you're sleepy or you're drunk, or there's all these things. And I was going to ask a question about AR and AI, because if I know perception and awareness and attention, I can have the car take over when it needs to. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking like, um, on one hand, people think, well, these things aren't safe yet. On the other hand, because they can understand your attention better than any other tech that's been devised yet, you might make the safe, a safer automobile than an AI vehicle on its own. 
or a driver on, on, on their own. Because like the, when the AI could take over, it could be very precisely understood by your attention and awareness. Are you drifting? Are your eyes dilating? Um, are you under the influence of alcohol? All those kind of things could make driving maybe a near zero incident rate. And I don't know if you guys are looking at that too, or just- Yeah, more yeah definitely, definitely. I mean, uh, there, there's a couple of things you touched on there. So one of the things, and we've talked a lot about in public profiles with, um, with eye tracking and gaze, you know, knowing where people are looking and their attention is, we were just talking more from the, the, the UI standpoint that information can, you know, not distract me in my periphery when, it, you know, when, it, when I'm not looking at it, I don't need it to be there in my face. But when I look over, it kind of grows uh, uh, and then shrinks away. Um, but uh, a real, uh, a real actual production, I mean, it's in our next generation cars, other OEMs already doing it is there is a, a driving, uh, it's called the DMS, the driving monitoring system. And because as we go up through the, the levels of autonomy, there are certain safety layers where the driver has to be paying attention to the road. So certain hands-free, let's say hands-free driving um, scenarios on the highway, if the user or the driver isn't looking on the road or where they should be, then the system will alert them and say, if you don't either look or take hold of the steering wheel, then it'll go through escalation of uh, uh, sending you alerts. So the cameras already exist uh on there but for me what's interesting is then if we can to your point know where people's attention is um and 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 their focus is then can, can the system you know in the sense of ai as you've said it intelligently meet you halfway you know we call it like the handshake right i might want to do something but if if the system already can understand my intent and meet me halfway if it knows i want to get into my spotify and play this certain playlist then why not already have Spotify preloaded in the playlist and just ask me to select which song on there rather than me having to go through all the apps, find Spotify, you know, find the playlist. So these are some of the things we're working on, on that some symbiosis of man and machine, uh, like you're talking about. But I, I, uh, I think adoption, the, the, the key to kind of, let's say, mass adoption there, and is going to be a big challenge for, for the industry as a whole, is trust. Because... We can, te the technology is there to do it, but we found, and uh, you know, a lot of users and consumers are, um, get nervous with letting go of control, especially of a fast moving vehicle. And if they don't trust it, and if we don't build that trust with the user, that's gonna take some time with, let's say, um, levels of control, uh, handing over and, and, and allowing people to take control when they need to. And once that trust is built, and there's people that are, accepting of okay I'm, I'm willing to let go of the steering wheel now then then we'll get into that world that you're talking about where it can just switch between man and machine um well i think Sid, i can i can tell you a, a real world story of the letting go of the wheel and it's interesting as i'm listening to you and roni talk because uh in effectively probably my my last car before i moved to full electric and never looked back i had a lexus and the lexus had a mode in it that um was uh, like a coffee mode. And it was sensing just the steering wheel. It was very simple. It was very simple. Um, and um, if, the, if the steering wheel was sensed that it was drifting a little bit, it would put a little icon that said, it's time to stop and get coffee. So that was kind of step one, right? It wasn't really uh, AI or thinking, it was just step one. But in the world of the Tesla, which, and then I'm actually gonna have to let you guys take over from here because the x-ray guys are here to do an x-ray for me but i'll ask this question and then leave you to talk about it 
um, the Tesla is remarkable in the fact that it is willing to take so many risks as a smaller startup that has now obviously become a big company and push that envelope. Uh, it'd be interesting to hear your perspective on how a group like you know Audi, Porsche, VW looks at a startup like Tesla and the way that they've been able to, and sometimes they get slapped pretty hard because they push too far and they move that safety bar out of the realm of acceptance. Uh, but at the same time, I'll tell you this quick story. When we were driving in the winter this year in my newest Tesla, uh, we hit a really icy patch and the car literally started to spin out of control. And it was like, oh, this is it. We're going to crash. I took my hands off the wheel. And you guys know that country music song, Jesus Take the Wheel. It was full on. The car literally redirected, reorganized, and just reestablished itself on the road. And it was something I absolutely would not have been able to do on my own. It was remarkable. So with that, I'm going to go do medical stuff, but I'll leave you guys to, to chat about it for a minute. And I'm just going to go on. You feel better, Ted. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to be on. Well, so from, from XR to X-ray. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, Tesla, I, I, you know, I, you, you've got to look at it with the fact that as a startup, to, to Ted's point there, as a startup, they can break some more rules. Um, and as I said before, this industry, the safety layers and the safety nets are there for a reason, because if something fails, it's fatal. It's not the fact that uh, my iPhone's frozen and I can't, you know, send that tweet. For example, it's literally you're putting people in uh, at risk. And so, you know, we really have to be very cautious when it comes to, to, to some of these safety layers. Um, but to, to his example, also, there, there are scenarios where the, the vehicle is better at coping with um, uh, because it knows its abilities, the motion control of the vehicle and the performance. But again, it's and, and it's a shame Ted's gone now, but it, I'd like to ask him if he would have trusted if that repeated it and he would trust the vehicle to have done that. He, he probably would now that he knew it happened. But in the in the in the heat of the moment, it wasn't because he was like, "I trust the car, and I've taken my hands off." It just happened, right? <laughs> and how do you Ted get is problem? Ted is Ted talks about his Tesla all the time. Just so you know, I do. He's, he's obsessed with it. As you guys were chatting, I was literally getting an X-ray. Um, <laughs> but I, it was the when I think what you were asking was it was instinctive for me because I knew the car was going to crash into a snowbank or another car. Um, so all I did was just take my hands off the wheel because I knew that the car has all these safety sensors and it's full autonomous, right? So mm -hmm. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know it was going to recorrect. I just instinctively knew that if I let the car do what it was supposed to do, my chances would probably be better um, surviving it and potentially surviving the car without a crash than me trying to correct it myself. I've also seen scenarios with the Tesla where its sensors are so sophisticated that it will know to stop the car if you're not paying attention. Um, like it'll it'll stop the car for you, um, which is a bit you know unsettling sometimes, but also safer. You know, I mean, to, to Roni's point, when the AI starts to take its appropriate place in the automotive spectrum, um, the world just gets innately safer because humans are unsafe creatures by you know, especially under under duress or stress, you're going to make bad decisions. Technology is going to just, you know, not always be perfect, but statistically probably be much more uh, correct on its decision-making. Yeah, I mean, the, the autonomy is, uh, uh, it, it, it's another, it's the big 
challenge and, and let's say the big, uh, the next big shift in auto, automotive industry. And um, and it is going to be, I mean, we've got to realize that now, okay, the startups like Tesla and, and others are trying to push the envelope there. Uh, you know, the, we are, we've publicly said we're obviously really interested in what, what this realm is. And from a UX perspective also, when, when we can allow you to spend that time without driving, there's a whole new world of opportunities there because the cabin is the third space you spend your time, right? You're either at home or work or in this metal box going between. So, you know, we, we have people's attentions. We can, we can really allow them to do stuff. Um, but then, you know, we've got to realize that at the beginning, there's these layers of, uh, and levels of autonomy and, um, to get to the Holy grail of, I don't need to drive anymore is going to take some steps. Uh, to get there and and during them steps there are going to be times where you know there are highly sophisticated uh, systems on the road but they're operating in a such an unpredictable environment because you still have the human driver on the road it's not it only works if you know everything was autonomous and everything was safe right. Uh, right. and that's where you get this unpredictability which you know maybe some of the startups um, are more willing to to uh, play with Said I wanted to leave leave you with a last uh, thought. I know I know Charlie's gonna have to wrap up soon. Um, I think autonomy is a bit overrated, and, and and what I mean by that is I think people some people love to drive, and I think there's gonna be a balance, like you said, this handshake between when I want to drive, I drive. If I want to let the car take over, it takes over, and it's gonna be this like handoff, this handshake. Like I need to take a nap. I'm driving all night. Okay, car, you drive. We're in a really cool part of the autobahn. I'm driving now. Uh, so I feel like the ability to gain control uh, when you have real trust over that thing, um, I don't think it's going to be like everyone just suddenly goes to autonomous. I feel like a lot of people will still want to drive, but drive more for fun, more for pleasure, uh, and drive very safely. Um, I do think uh, this interesting combination, I'd love to maybe maybe we'll bring you back uh, in a year or two, see what happened. But like AR and AI together, I think is going to remarkably shape automotive. So it'd be interesting to see what you continue to do. Uh, I, I just thought your work was amazing and glad Charlie and Ted shared that. Yeah, no, thank you. Sid, thanks for visiting us today. And as Ronnie said, hopefully we'll we'll see you again soon. I would love to meet you in the real. Um, one thing we didn't get into was your background, sort of qualifying you as one of the most interesting people, I think, in the auto industry. <laughs> so uh, lots more to talk about. Thank you again for your time today. And uh, wish you and everybody listening to the podcast a great weekend. Talk to you soon, everyone. Thanks, guys. Thanks.